I was sitting in a petrol station last night and I was coming and oh mother of god the window got tapped three <laughs> times in ten minutes they are that mad. was the one lad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, 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 they're mental but yeah that's don't go to rock subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts OTBGAA welcome to the Mike Quirk podcast now give me my theme music This series is brought to you with the help of PST Sport. PST Sport is a design and build specialist contractor focusing exclusively on the design and construction of artificial grass pitches and supporting infrastructure for soccer, GAA, rugby, hockey and tennis. PST's portfolio includes over 50 FIFA certified artificial grass pitches as well as multiple pitches tested and approved for World Rugby, GAA and FIH standards. PST Sports have done over 500 artificial grass pitches for clubs, schools, colleges and local authorities in Ireland and the UK for all different sporting codes. Visit pstsport.com for more details. Okay, so, you know, delighted folks to, to, to have a proper coaching legend on the, on the call uh, with Frank Dick, um, a lifetime sports coach and motivational speaker, He's been high performance director from everywhere from South Africa to to Great Britain. Uh, has worked with Eddie Jones and, and rugby teams and countless other athletes and coaches all over the globe. So, Frank, I, I want to sincerely thank you for for taking the time to join us and and see if we can we can help out other coaches and 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 pick your brains a little bit. Okay, glad to be here. No problem. Um, so maybe we'll start there, Frank. What what is for you the essence of of coaching, whether that's with with um, you know athletes or in business or whatever it is, the essence of the of the whole thing for you. Well, I suppose really um, you can come down to the word winning. You know that's what you're there to do. That's why you go into the arena is to win. Fair, as uh, Vince Lombardi said, fairly, squarely, decently by the rules, but to win. But not everybody can get a gold medal. Uh, so we end up having to define what winning is for each individual. And winning, winning quite, quite simply when you go into an arena, was, was that the best performance of your life? You know, it's very simple. And you could be last. You know, finish eighth in a competition. Um, and, and if you underperform, then you have to have a look at yourself. But if it's the best that you could give, there's nothing more you can do. That's your win for the day. And if you keep on doing that, one of these days, the gold medal might be yours. Uh, but but it, but if if it isn't, you'll have lived your life being better today than you were yesterday, every day. Um, if you wanted to sort of a, a, a grander philosophy of the whole, the whole thing, I suppose I'd, I'd subscribe to John Wooden's line. Line is that it's our job as coaches to take people from who they are to who they're capable of becoming. Mm-hmm. So it, it's that journey of bringing people with you along, along, uh, along a path, really, from from where they are to to where they're maybe aspiring to be. Yeah, I mean, every, every athlete's got th- their ambitions, and I've not, I've, to be absolutely honest, I've never come across anyone I've worked with who's had unrealistic ambition. Right? Um, I've I've I've, I've always. Um, I've always found that when you're working with uh, with an athlete and they, and they make a commitment, and I'll come back to that in a second. Um, when they make the commit commitment to, to come come with you, normally 
where I think they can get to on a particular day, almost invariably they think they can go one step higher than that. Well, I'm pretty, I'm pretty cool with that. I mean, yeah. um, and what as the, what is it? Michelangelo said um, the problem, the, the the problem in life is not aiming too high and falling short; it's aiming too low and hitting the target. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but coming coming back to the, this commitment. Uh, I always have the same three questions when I'm working with anybody, whether it's a coach or whether it's an athlete. Um, and it's, uh, what do you want? Or as the Spice Girls would say, what do you really, really want? But what, what do you want? You know, what is it that you're after? Um, and when they're clear on that, the, the next question is, um, how much does that cost? And we're not talking about economics here. Do, do you really understand what's, what you have to do in order to get there? And f- the final question is pretty straightforward again. Are you prepared to pay the price? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if, if, I mean, you, you, you pretty soon learn in life, um, in, in the struggle, whether um, you're willing to pay the price or not. The coach, the, the coach and this, in, in this world of woke and political correctness and um, safeguarding and so on uh, of, of the the athletes we, we're, we're very clear on on this you, there can be no question that they cannot cannot abuse athletes in any shape or form verbal or anything else um, uh, but sometimes you have to be able to push and athletes the, the people that you're working with must accept from the beginning that there will come these moments where you the coach understands what you need rather than what you want Mm-hmm. And the, when these two things come apart, you've got a decision to make because that will come back to are you prepared, are you prepared to pay the price? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there will come these moments, Nick. Yeah, yeah. No, that's interesting. Yeah, and and obviously from the very start, you're involving the athlete or the player or the teams in that in that process of where is it that you want to get to? Because it's not it's not ultimately the coach's decision. Absolutely, and if if you. The, the, I used to get this wrong. I'll be absolutely honest with you, and, and, and I was corrected by a friend of mine, Chris Moore, a few years ago. I used to constantly say, "It's your job as a coach to give the athlete ownership," mm. but he pulled me up and said, "No, Frank, it's not. It, the ownership is not yours to give. Mm-hmm. The ownership is for the athletes to take." So, so what's our job then as coaches? You've got to create a process that leads to the athlete or the person you're developing, taking ownership, not just of the performance, but of everything round about it, everything that goes into it, all the preparation and so on. Yeah. And, and ownership is such a big thing right now and giving people a sense of autonomy to, to feel that they are the ones that are directing the ship. When you're talking about developing a process to, to make that happen or to allow that to happen, what, what, does some, what are some of the steps or some of the things that, that, that create that kind of an environment? Well, this is, this is, that's a good point you make because a coach's job really is to create the learning environment and service that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, now, there are some things in life you can be taught. There are other things in life you can only learn through experience, right? The things you can be taught are what I would put under the broad heading of the science of coaching, the so tools of your trade, the principles, the practice, and so on. The, the thing that you learn is the art of coaching, uh, the thing, the thing that you're taught is the technical component. The thing that you learn is the people component, um, and you you can only learn that through experience. Um, but you've got to remember that the words of Vernon Law when he said, um, 
experience is the cruelest of all teachers because she gives you the test first and the lesson second. Um, but the bit is, you have to ha you have to go through that experience. You, you have to go into that that, that moment um, because that, that's the only way you'll learn. You, you will eventually learn to make right decisions. So as a coach, you you're going through that same process yourself. But for the person that you're developing, remember Tony Michello, who's uh, who was Jessica Ennis's coach. He used to, after a major comp competition, uh, give me a shout and say, let's have a quick coffee, Frankie. So we'd, we'd meet a have a coffee. And after Daegu, the year before the Olympic Games, 2012, um, or 2011 for 2012, um, we, he gave me a call. We met up in London. And he said, what do you think? He said, I'm not going to argue about uh, four, four lifetime bests out of seven events over two days. Jeez. Very impressive, really impressive. He says, are you going to say but? I said, yeah, a little <laughs> one. When she was having problems with, because she, she'd finished second in that competition, mm -hmm. when she had um, a problem with a javelin, what did she do? Well, she came over to the side of the track to see me and McHill, the javelin coach. I said, what did you do? So we gave her advice, of course. So that's what you did wrong. She said, are you, are you, are you suggesting we gave her the wrong advice? Said, no. I'm, I'm saying that you gave her advice. Mm. The only person who should be making the decision in the arena, in the heat of battle, is Jess, not you. Mm -hmm. And if you can, if you persist in stepping stepping into the arena, basically, and making the decision for her, how will she ever learn to make decisions in life? Mm. And so that comes back to your point, man, because it, 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 it is about um, the athlete taking ownership and the most important part of ownership is making decisions. Putting, putting them in those positions where they have to make decisions and ultimately <clears throat> when you get to, to the competition, you're hoping that that experience that they've gained by making all those decisions is, is what's going to count. Oh, and just, just absolutely right. And when let's get to something quite recent. Um, uh, Ireland, Ireland versus Australia, right, mm -hmm. in, in rugby. Uh, we had a situation there. So this is what you've always got to remember. When you go into the arena, the opposition is not not going to just let you get away with it, right? They're not going to let you get away with it. And so we had a, an extraordinary situation where I, I can't remember a rugby game at the test level going on so long with only three points on the board. Mm -hmm. And on the field, when things are not quite working out, then comes the point where you're not going to get advice from off the field here. Mm -hmm. You've got to be making decisions yourself. You know, mm -hmm. am I making the right call individually? Your leaders are on the field as well. Are, are we making the right calls? And individually, am I doing my job? I mm -hmm. mean, what am I here to do? Am I giving a 100% a version of myself out here? And these, these questions and the decisions that come with that, you've got to be blooming quick. To, to get get round to them, otherwise, suddenly in a in a game of rugby, eighteen minutes is over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it's fascinating. And and when you when you to, to to bring that point back to, I'm always conscious in this, Frank, as well. Obviously, I have a lot of people that listen that are you know maybe parents starting out coaching and they're 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 only beginning a journey at under sevens or under nines or under elevens yeah. or whatever it might be. And a lot of the a lot of the stuff you see at underage sport. Is is in 
directly, con- you know, contravening what you're saying in terms of coaches on a sideline shouting, you know, feeling that they're really helping and contributing, shouting instructions, saying, you go here, play the ball up the line, kick it up here. When in reality, you're probably taking away that sense of decision-making and, and providing yeah. that autonomy for, for the kids. So you're dead right. If the coach is having to do that shouting from the, the touchline, the coach, he or she has not been doing their job, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You're trying to make up for the things that you you should have been doing in, 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 with your kids in practice. But let's just linger a little bit with the, with, with this, the underages and so on, because actually there, there are there are two quite separate worlds. One is high performance, and the other one is the rest of the sport, right? Mm-hmm. And high performance is quite different. Well, and what, what we were talking about initially in, in this conversation really is high performance sport, yeah. going into the arena and winning and so on. And I've tried to condition that a little bit by, by saying winning is you delivering your lifetime best. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for the tinies coming through? Okay, uh, let me give you an example from athletics so we get this thing in perspective. In track and field athletics, we know that um, 60% of the medals in the world world arena, Olympics or uh, world championships, we know that 60% of the medals will be won by athletes between the ages of 24 and 28, right? 85% between 22 and 30. The rest of the rest. You'll, you'll You'll always have these outliers. Now, that's what you've got to hold in mind. These are your peak performance years. And that's what everything leading up to that is in preparation for. Mm-hmm. So when you, if, if you get come back to these developing years, six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds, even through the teens, what's happening there is not about winning competitions and going out there and thrashing the opposition and so on. Um, of course, you're out there to, to, for the contest. I get, I get all that. But each of the each step you take in these years must relate to the peak performance years. So here's here's your question to show that people get this absolutely wrong. And I think this is what you're highlighting. If you, I'll I'll ask you this question and see if you can give me an answer. Of the world champions, uh, juniors, that's 19 years of age in track and field athletics, of the world champion juniors, who, who medal, any kind of medal, gold, silver, or bronze, what percentage of those do you think medal when they get into the senior competitions? Bearing in mind this is 22 to, to 30. Going going on what we have over here that would be similar, uh, it's a lower number. 6%. 6%, yeah. That's shocking, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And I, I, I believe that that, that actually... Um, you, you could say, well, it, it's, it's not all that important, Frank. Well, it's important at this level if coaches are so focused on getting medals in the age groups going through, you could very well be squeezing the juice out the orange before we get to the time where you really need it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and um, in, in terms of of, of high, high performance preparation, bearing in mind that most kids won't be, they'll, they'll, they'll go to their high performance, but they won't get into this, you know, world level kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, 
a guy called Arnie Gulish from uh, Germany. Um, I did a, 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 a webinar series with him and to quite a few other coaches for India um, early this year, I think it would be. Um, and uh, it was f- over four days, four hours a day, um, of different presentations and so on. The whole thing was about um, talent selection. Right. right. Or talent spotting. And at the end of it, the conclusion was it's a waste of time. <laughs> because talent, real talent, you have to allow to emerge. Mm. And what happens in an awful lot of sports is by the time kids get to the age of 15, 16, they will be put into a funnel, um, for a high-performance program, um, whatever they call it. Um, and of course, at the age of 15 and 16, if they're concentrating on the specifics through to the age of 19, of course they are more likely to get medals at the age of 19 mm-hmm. right, than the kids who don't. Mm-hmm. But the other kids are, 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 are slowly developing. So coming back to your point, these years, we have to con- you have to remember, these years are about development. Everything is development until they become get into the senior stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, some people would say, oh, but surely if they're worth a medal, they may never get a medal at senior level, so you better get one sometime. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the logic in that. Eventually, yeah. very very short termism. It is, and then and then, then some, suddenly you're yesterday's person. You know? Yeah. Why, why why do that to a kid? Yeah, it's 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 just very interesting. The numbers of 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 kids playing sport obviously starts to fall off a cliff. You know, when you get to 14, 15, 16 in particular, you know those kind of ages that you're speaking about, where maybe there is becoming a little bit more pressure on you know, developing uh, or winning a, a medal or, or winning a championship or winning whatever it is. Uh, it's just, it's interesting how many kids that we lose at those crucial age groups that we never know if they would potentially have been, you know, real, real performers at a, at a higher level later on, you know? Yeah, and, 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 but, but, but how, how can we correct that? There's a, um, one, of the, one of the things that Arnie also emphasised as we were going through um, how, how you approach the development of a young athlete is that those athletes who've done multiple sports mm. in their, their developing years, they are far more likely to to, to do a big time when they get into the, the senior level. Yeah. And so they're, they're, and why? Well, first of all, you get a variety of uh, motor coordinations, different skills they're building up. Um, you get a chance to give people a an opportunity to see is, is there an, a, a, an event or a sport that actually they're more suited to than another, but you give them this experience uh, and doing multiple sports, that means you do some team sports as well as individual sports. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a healthy thing for a, 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 a young person's growth anyway. Um, uh, and, and, and also because you do different sports, you actually are building your, your different levels of, of um, fitness characteristics. So you develop speed in this area or endurance in another area, or strength in another area, or power here. Or So, so you, you get the general fitness platform and the generous, general coordination platform begins to be pretty rich. Mm-hmm. And on it's from that then you can build towards specificity. But do, so the underlying point I'm trying to make is 
don't specialize too early or you'll, or, or you'll finish them off. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, I think that's a key, a key point for, for all coaches to, to, to understand that those age groups are, are, and, and it's easy to say it. And, and I know people know it already, but to do it and to, to, to have, you know, coaches not be almost feeling anxiety that they need to be seen to be driving the kids towards winning and, and I need to be winning to justify my role being involved with this but, under-12 team. And it can get wrapped up into ego, you know. And, yeah. And, but, and, and also some, some, some people might say, but come on, Frank, what about the Williams sisters? What about uh, Tiger Woods? Yeah, they're the outliers. Yeah. You, there's... Have a look at sport. There are not too many people like that that start off as babies and go all the way through. Yeah, uh, a common a common theme, Frank. I've heard you speak about numerous times is is just about the focus on people, you know, as opposed to as opposed to the, the even the process or, or or the outcome, obviously. But people obviously are 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 such a crucial part of of coaching and development in sport or in business or whatever. Can you, can you just maybe expand on, on that idea a little bit? Well, it's, it's, it's more in my mind about the people's skills. First of all, if, if you're going to coach anybody or develop someone or work with somebody, um, you've, got to, you've got to know them, know who they are. I mean, not infinitesimal detail, but you've got to know who they are and you've got to know what, um, uh, what stresses them and what doesn't. That's why the, the, uh, the, the expression that Kareem Reid uses, uh, know your stress signature, is really important uh, because uh, w- w- some some things will wind, some some things will upset you that don't upset me, and some things will motivate you that don't motivate me. But we'd better know what these things are for an individual, or, or we could get it quite wrong, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And it can come round. Not, not getting to know people, it can come round to just a, the use of a word. I remember some years ago, pretty tough uh, coaching session in in freezing cold conditions, and it was, it was a team sport. And uh, the the coaches had this quick huddle afterwards, um, just to do a, a hot, hot debrief after the the, um, the session. And uh, one of them said, "You know, I, I was coaching um, John, as my John across there, and I, I told him, you've really just got to be braver. You've got to have far more courage out there." And the, the, the second coach that was in the huddle said, oh, I wouldn't have liked you saying that to me. He says, why is that? He said, because I think you were calling me a coward. Mm. What's in a word? And what, pe- people perceive words and language differently. And that comes down to what, the point I'm trying to make. Know your people. Um, uh, know the language that they, they, they speak. And in the world that we're in now, these children don't belong in the same world as you and me. Mm-hmm. Certainly not me, right? Yeah. I'm a dinosaur, right? These kids, these kids are th- th- their world is completely different. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I know it sounds a silly throwaway line, but I often say to the corporate sector, what you've got to understand is that today's children are the first generation to teach the parents how to communicate. True. Yeah. And if they if they communicate differently, they think differently. If they think differently, they behave differently. If they behave differently, they'll make the decisions differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to talk about athletes taking ownership out there, we'd better understand who these people are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm, but, well, to be honest, I'm, I'm not sure if a lot of coaches spend enough time mm-hmm. working. Because when, when you're coaching somebody, what do you have to do as a process? 
Well, first of all, you have to, in terms of your, your, your coaching style, you have to, let, let's imagine you're taking over a new team. You arrive in there, the team have been with another coach and so on. You come in there. What you have to do is adjust to them and their style first and then get them to adjust to you. Mm -hmm. To create the, communica the communication pathways that allow everything to happen. That said, you've got to make judgment calls when a superstar comes into the team. When a superstar comes into the team, the superstar better learn how the team plays first before the team learn how he, how he plays. Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't try it the other way around. Don't, don't, don't focus everything on the superstar. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to play this particular way because that, that really just doesn't work in life. Um, so the, these, and, but, but again, these are people skills. We could talk about other things, performing under pressure, conflict re res uh, re resolution, um, teamwork. Um, uh, you, you can think of all, all the different people skills, skills that are out there that actually in very few coaching programs do these exist mm -hmm. because we look at the technical bits all the time and we don't look at the people bits. But as I said in, a, in, a, in my tweet, tweet, my Twitter account last night, um, I don't care how good you are at your technical stuff. If your people stuff's not in place, you'll never be effective as a coach. Yeah, yeah, and it is uh, 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 certainly certainly over here. The coach education stuff is heavily weighted towards that technical and tactical, uh, and and there probably isn't enough, you know, on on what people would term soft skills or our or people skills is is essentially what what you're talking about so it's yeah it's it's fascinating it's great to hear hear that and, kind and of how, perspective how, how, the, 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 the Farrell uh, coaches uh, relates to sexton will be quite different than how he relates to this other young managers mm -hmm. around you know mm -hmm. and that's uh, that's that, that that really is is the mark of the coaches at this point you better get you better get these relationships right because that's what it is Mm. It's about relationships and getting squeezing these relationships to get the best out of them, mm -hmm. and, and understanding that it obviously, like you you just mentioned, they're very individual as well, and everybody yeah. is not treated in the same kind of a way. No matter whether they are a superstar or they're somebody else, there's an individuality to each of us that that people need to be need to be catering for from a coaching perspective. And then when you're building, really, really, you've got all this individuality, and we want to get the best out of the individuals, and that's clear. However, we are a team, and uh, very early on in any uh, team building uh, activity or, or, or operation, when you've come into a new team and whatever you're trying to trying to create a new team, get your people around very quickly on on an away day or whatever. What's our vision? What are values? And make sure that everybody is part of that conversation, and you get that in place. Once you've got that in place. People who have been involved in something will invest themselves in it more or commit more than if they're not involved. They don't like to be given their values. We can have a conversation and we can talk them through. What you don't want is, is a situation to arise where you've got um, a player, for example, with a, who, who doesn't feel that his or her values fit with the teams. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because re really... Um, I mean, they can come into the broad category of what I call rough diamonds in life. Um, there, there will be, uh, you, you will get rough diamonds in your team from time to time. 
Mm-hmm. The thing you've got to remember about them is that they're precious. That's the diamond part. But they've got, they've got these rough edges. And how you deal with that person, I think, is this. Um, if the rough edges are hurting the player, or the, then it's their, it's their choice what happens. If the rough edges are hurting you as the coach, then it's your choice. If the rough edges are hurting other people in the team, then there's no choice. They go. I think at some, at some point, we as coaches have to remember there is a hard edge to coaching. This is not a fluffy, pink toy kind of job. This is a serious business at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this young person's life is in your hands, uh, but they're also, if you're in a team situation, you've got a lot, a lot, a lot of other little lives in your hands too. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is not just under, knowing about your people. It's knowing about people in general and to, trying to take time. And, and coaches, I think, should talk to each other far more about this. We're very good at talking about the technical stuff. We should actually talk together about how we handle this situation or that situation because that's part of the the, um, uh, the, the learning mm. stuff. You know, I spoke about teaching and learning. Mm. The learning stuff, we can learn from our own experience, but it's also pretty useful. We, we, we learn faster together in life than we do on our own. Mm. Get people around about us. We should have coaches having sessions together where they, they talk about issues in sport that are beyond whether somebody kicks with a right foot or a left foot and whether, what turn they're putting in the ball and so on. Yeah, and that that shared experience or a community of practice of of people talking about their own their own experiences and and learning exactly from from what I, you know each other has gone through that that makes that makes huge sense. Like from from that perspective, Frank, like for coaches who are looking to improve, who who want to who want to get better, and who are looking, you know, they're searching for stuff on the internet and they're reading their books. Like what what are what are the big things for you that that all coaches can 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 really improve on that's difficult i think i think that comes that's pretty individual and i have tried okay. to cover cover a, a general view of that from the people side mm. and with the world that we're in now where you we can have conversations like this um it's it's possible to have one to ones okay it's not perfect doing it this way but you can have one to ones about this or that issue of your own development and so on I think it's good to sit down um, with what I'll call a mentor or or somebody who's pretty close to you um, and have a bit of a quick assessment yourself on where you think you are or or, or not. With with somebody like Eddie, Eddie is absolutely committed to lifelong learning and um, he's He'll be very quick to drop me a line and say, "Have you read this or have you heard that?" Um, and and likewise the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a guy called Ryan Ryan Holiday who came out with uh, a, a, book, a book quite recently that I think is very good. I've almost finished it, but I'm a slow reader. It's called um, "Discipline Is Destiny." Discipline is destiny. That's it. Um, good name. And it, 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 it's, it's, it's really the Stoics philosophy, if you like. But he, he writes it very well, and there's some really good little messages in there for each, for each one of us, right? at, di- at different stages in our 
or, or, in our life, whether it's with, with your family or so on, or whether it's with what, what's happening in front of you. Mm, mm. But that that idea of of lifelong learning is is probably coaching no more than being a, an athlete or a player doesn't really have a well you probably have a start point but you don't really have a a finish line or a finish point you know it's, you never you never you never arrive yeah you never arrive that's mm. it mm. and you 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 actually it, it, in a playing career in a performance career there's a bit of that too um and you might say well surely your your career comes to an end one day uh well usually that day is pretty obvious um yeah. but but you but as, as you go on um, you, you'll stumble sometimes. What did we learn from that and go on? Because I say you never arrive. There's an, another performance next week or the next week or the next year. Um, uh, and and, 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 and that, that's true for your performance. It's true for your learning. Right? It, it just doesn't stop. And the, the odd thing is the less young you become, I try to use that expression rather than say getting older, the less young, the less, less, less young you become, the more you realise you don't know everything. I mean, there's, there's a point in your life, and we've all been there, when we think we think we do know everything, right? Certainly, the older guys who are around, what do they know? I really know. I've got the business and so on. Um, but you very quickly learn um, you you don't, and there's always, as I say to uh, every athlete, every coach. Even my own children, when they were growing up, um, at the end of every day, it doesn't matter how good or bad it's been, there's always, always something you could have done better and something you could have done differently. And provided you keep asking your question, what yourself, these questions, what these things are, then the hunger for learning will never be satisfied. That that idea of, of of questioning has actually come up uh, quite a lot in in these as a as a really underutilized coaching tool, both both for speaking to your players or, or your athletes, but also your own journey and your own improvement and, and and develop that idea of 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 constantly questioning where you're at and and how you can do uh, how you can do more and, and be better. Yeah, and you, you could you could say, well, surely Frank, if you go through life like that, you'll never be satisfied. Well, um, I, th- I think probably satisfaction is a word you don't want to get involved in too much, you know? Right, yeah. Because yeah. satisfaction seduces, you know? It makes you think, you, that's it. What else do I have to do? Mm-hmm. And the moment you do that, pew, you go out. There's a, there's a good good story. I'll give you an illustration of that. Alex Ferguson uh, working with, uh, he, he, in 1993, um, United had got the um, had, had got the Premiership, and he uh, uh, they're going into the the preparation for the next season, and um, he, he brings in uh, Guy Pastor, the the the, the, uh, the team captain, and says, "Listen, son, uh, me and the staff we've noticed that um, there's a couple of players, and they're satisfied with having won the Premiership." Because Alex knew that no no team at that point had ever won the Premiership back to back. He said, "Who are they, boss?" So that's not my job, son. You're the team captain. I want you to keep your eye on things and uh, make sure we sort this out. So you can imagine, week on week on, can we come back in? Boss, we can't see who they are. Who are they? Listen, son, you keep your eyes open. This is your job. I'm not going to tell you. 
So this is part of being vigilant as a captain. You keep your eye on things. So they got through to the end of the 94 season, would you believe, back-to-back premierships. And so the guy came in and said, you'll have to tell us now, boss. Who were they? He says, there was nobody. There was nobody. But the moment you feel, the moment satisfaction settles in, you take your eye off the wall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So success at the end of the day can re- derail progress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and in terms of, you know, like you mentioned, Alex Ferguson and 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 that 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 kind of a the culture or, or or the environment. Culture is a really big buzzword now, especially in 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 that team sport environment. Um, and coaches are looking all the time to see how can I how can I develop something. You know that's really positive here for the kids or 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 the teenagers or the, or the elite people. Culture is still important. What what are some of the things you've come across, Frank, that 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 develop or help to develop something that's really positive there for 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 teams or groups? Well, I think again, you're going to start off sort of agreeing what you all belong to, and you 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 have the vision of what 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 it is we're trying to achieve and what why are we here folks right um and you then clarify what are the values that we will stand for and these are not things we'll just put in a piece of plastic and put in our pockets these are things that we're actually going to live and we're going to talk to each other about this from time to time um once you've got that framework in place then you 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 start um, by making sure that the values are being addressed, you actually st- start to grow your culture. Right? And the, it, 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 at that, that point then, as, as we go towards being a winning, a, a learning and then a winning culture, it's about the culture itself first, then the processes, then the people. You, you, you work on all of these things to enrich them. And you can't assume at any point that once you've talked about it, that's it there for life. You have to keep revisiting it and reminding them about it. Um, and I don't know if I don't know if this happened when you were playing uh, football, but um, every now and again, the, the coach should sit sit down with the with with a, any player, but with the players in general, and say, "Well, okay, this particular value here. Tell me what you did about that on Saturday on the field." and that that takes us closer and closer to having a, a, a personal thing to address in terms of our own performance about what you bring to the team. And each each one of us will have a particular strength in we've got a number of things that we have to do in our role. And maybe there are other people with the same role, but when we're doing it, let's imagine one to ten. Number three and number six are the things that we are really strong at. That's why we were brought in in the first place. How can we follow that all the way through? Mm-hmm. And then you score yourself in every game, in every training session and so on. Um, and uh, the, the coach hopefully also scores himself. Years ago, I did something with Ipswich Football Club where um, some, some of the boys were coming towards getting professional contracts. Some of them didn't have them by this time. Um, and I, I went up to the, the to a, a session with with the, the, the youth team, and um, one of the boys said, "You know, you, you you talk about this communication and stuff." I said, "But when 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 we win, um, nobody says anything to you. When we lose, the coaches are all over you like a rash." 
And I looked at the coaches and their heads went down. So I thought, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. happening right. And so, so I then said, tried to turn it around fast, said, okay, um, you had a good game at the weekend. You beat Arsenal. I don't think they beat Arsenal's youth 4-0 or something. Um, pretty good day. Um, was that perfect? Would you have scored everything you, yourself a 10 out of 10 for every moment of the game? Well, no, we don't tell them. Well, what, 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 how would you score yourself? And you should do that after every game. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to think that the coaches, looking at the coaches, you're scoring the players too. Mm-hmm. And when you come off the field and you're doing your review afterwards, um, let's say, okay, mate, what, what, what do you think you did score at the weekend? And you might say, well, that was a six. Mm-hmm. And I would say, add you down for a four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It let's, have a com- it, it, let's, it, let's have a conversation about this now, yeah. right? And, 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 and this, again, is about taking ownership. Mm-hmm. This is taking ownership. Mm-hmm. And of course, part of the conversation is well, how are, we, how are you going to get from a five to a six, or a four, from a four to a six? How are you going to do that? And, and what do you think? You how do you think you could have been bet, better or differently? It's coming back to the same thing. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've got to be asking ourselves these questions in life all the time, you know. And every now and again, your your your, your kids might say to you, you know, that was a terrible day, Dan. I used to say to my children, my, both my girls, take a bit, take a, a piece of paper, split it down the middle, um, left side and right side. On the left side, the things that didn't go right today. On the right side, the things that did go right today. And I'll bet you every day of your life, you're stronger on the right than the left. Yeah. But don't dwell on that. Cor- correct them. What, what can you do better or differently? Correct them. But there are also some things on the right-hand side that you were good at today you don't get soft on. Mm-hmm. How can I make that even better? And this, I actually think this brings more fun into life, mate. I mean, it's, you're, 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 you're engaged in, in a very enjoyable activity, and that's called being great, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, whole, that whole idea of marking yourself or even you know whatever it might be on your attitude and all, all the different things it, it it brings an idea of of culture to life it, it gives it a bit of meaning and and and, and a bit of purpose you know that that it's fine putting a sign up on the wall or or yeah. whatever like yeah. you said carrying around your wallet but like if you were actually talking to somebody and say like can you show me how how did you manifest that value that we we're talking about how did that come out in the last game that now you have to think about it, and you have to say, okay, well, actually, yeah. I'm not sure, and how could I, how could I be better at that? It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah you're right. It's, it's got to be lived. The whole thing's got to be lived, mm. and it's got to be fun for goodness' sake. I mean, uh, if if you if you're not careful, you can get you can dwell on the things that went wrong every day, and before you know it, believe me, you've pulled yourself down to the ground. If if there was something in your own, I uh, just uh, staying on that theme for a second, Frank. In terms of your own improvement, what 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 is as somebody obviously you have worked f- like from everything from soccer to football, rugby, athletics, uh, and everywhere in between, and in, in, in business and different things. Wh- what has been your own biggest improvement in in uh, in your own kind of coaching journey? For, 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 first of all. Uh, Quite early on, I figured that the three qualities you'll ultimately need um, in your athlete, but also in yourself, is persistence, 
resilience and patience. You know, um, I'm a, I was always a very impatient person. Um, I want everything to happen yesterday. You know, I, um, I've done the work. Why isn't it happening? Um, and so I think probably realizing that these things were all related helped helped me a lot. Uh, the persistence bit, um, you, you've got to learn about persistence, I think. Um, so I remember on one occasion years ago, I was a young national coach. Um, I hadn't coached a lot of people in my life, to be honest. There I was a national coach in Scotland. Um, and I was coaching this one uh, young female athlete whose previous coach, I think, had uh, he'd felt that she wasn't going to get anywhere. Um, she's a long jumper. And uh, I was at Meadowbank in Edinburgh for Scottish Championships. Um, and I, I remember, I can picture it now, I was in the back straight um, uh, talking to a couple of spectators. Um, and there's a bit of a roar went across, a roar, a very small crowd. And there's a loud noise went from the stand. Right. Uh, and um, a chap called Tom Williamson is a good, good, good friend of mine, a coach, good mentor for me to begin with. And he was jumping up and down and waving across to me. And the, the, the girl I was coaching had just jumped a Scottish native and national record, six right. minutes four three. And... That was just, um, I, I, the thought that went through my mind at that point was, you know how to do it now. Mm -hmm. You've done it. You don't, because up until then, I suppose I was still very much um, in my learning process. I was learning to repeat um, what other coaches had done, what, what other programs seemed to work. And it wasn't as it wasn't as if I was devoid of rational thinking um, and investigating myself. I'd, I'd built, I was building up my own sense of program and so on with several athletes, but this one suddenly emerged, and it was that moment when you when you really believe in yourself and you understand what persistence is, mm -hmm. because you don't persist doing the wrong thing; you persist in trying to grow. You persist in trying to find another modification here or there in your coaching that will make a difference. And you may not get all the results that you think you should be getting, which relates to the, the patience. Sometimes you get it wrong, which relates to the resilience. Mm -hmm. um, but you keep persisting and it will happen. You know, you've got to, but, but the, the, related to that I mean, is the, that there's a hierarchy to learning. You start off in life learning to repeat. You go to primary school, you learn your tables, right? Two plus two, two times two equals four, two times three. You, 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 learn, that, you learn by rote and by repeating things. In fact, you were even examined on that. When you, did, when you go to your exams, you were basically being asked to repeat what you heard from the teacher, right? right. The next level of that is learning to learn. And I don't remember, coming back to the points you were thinking, you, you were mentioning earlier about people's skills, I don't remember anyone in my life sitting me down and having a talk about learning to learn. Right. How can we be better at our learning? Mm. And so for a lot of people, even in adulthood, they're still more, more inclined to stick with 
learning to repeat. Mm-hmm. They're learning to learn. But once you go to there, the next level of that is learning to do. Mm-hmm. Then learning to be. Then finally learning to become, if you're going to do the learning journey the whole way through. Right. Yeah, and and that and that goes back to that point earlier about an insatiable, you know, lifelong learning path. Be you know, yeah. from 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 beginner to to wherever it is that, that yeah. we eventually it, it, finish. It, it, yeah, it, it's not. It's not that you don't believe in yourself, but it, it's and 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 you live a life not believing in yourself and doubting yourself. Is always having the question at the back of your mind. Mm. Can I be better? Can I do something differently? You know? and, and, and and even to the point, but there's a differently side side of things. Even to the point where sometimes, um, in, in it, well, I, I advise organisations to do this. You should have a day when you step out of what you do altogether uh, with with your team and hopefully with a group because it doesn't work very well in your own. You get, you get your business or whatever together and you say, okay, let's imagine we don't do things the way we do them at the moment. What could we do? What could we be? What are the possibilities? You ask yourself the what if questions and why not kind of questions. Mm. And then you've disrupted all your thinking, right? Mm-hmm. And once you've done that, then you have to cross the other side. Well, what will we do? What will we be having had this discussion with ourselves, right? And to get to this 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 kind of culture where um, there are no excuses and there are no limits in our minds. Mm-hmm. And I, I think of this like Newton's cradle. You know the the um, these five balls that hang down. Yeah, yeah. Take one ball off, and that's disruption. You let it go. It fits hits the first ball, and you start dreaming. About different things, then you make um, decisions. Then you design what you're going to do, and then you deliver off the other end. Okay. And but remember that ball is going to come back again. Mm-hmm. And so you don't just do this kind of exercise just once in, a, in your life. You've got to be willing to disrupt your thinking um, and get yourself to try to. Try to avoid living in a rut, you know. Um, it's like a, a, a line, you know, a, a farmer's field. You've got a plow. Try to remember that there's more, there's more lines in the field than the one you're in. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you've got to, if you like, get to the top of one and look around. Is, is, is there a better way? Mm-hmm. Uh, or is there a different way? And because if you're not careful, you get this is my way. And before you know it, your brain is so fixed that it doesn't grow it just it just wants to stick in the one rut yeah yeah and 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 a lot of i suppose coaches you know in the past certainly would have had that idea of that reproductive kind of pedagogy where i i coached the way that i myself was coached when i was Absolutely. a kid when i was growing up you know uh, and that I used to be, that used to be very common in football yeah really and the and and to be honest i suppose when i started off coaching there was a bit of that as well. Mm. Um, but I, to, to be honest, I was very fortunate when I was a, a young athlete, when I went to Loughborough, there's a guy called Jeff Gowan there in Bastamatakis. 
and they were brilliant, brilliant thinkers and much far, far ahead of their time. And the, the kind of routines I'd been doing as a young athlete in Scotland, um, I suddenly realised there were other ways of doing things. Mm. And that, I think, sparked, starts the spark of you've got to be looking, you've got to be looking in all directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is probably a different way or, or, or maybe not necessarily a better way, but at least at least expose yourself to them to, to make up your own mind and see what's out there. Just finally, uh, Frank, and, and we'll wrap up in a second, but um, I, you you obviously do a lot with, with different organizations and, and businesses as well. And I'm just interested about the kind of relationship between the stuff that you've learned in, in the sports coaching side of things and, and how, how you relate that to, to different businesses and organizations and help them to improve and to grow. Obviously the people are still the central theme of, of the whole thing, but, but just maybe that crossover and, and how, how you've, how you found that. Make the print, the principle, the bit is the principles are exactly the same. Mm. You know, we're talking about human performance. Mm-hmm. Now the arenas might be different, but the principles of performance are the same. They are the same. You know, we, um, we, we, we know, when we talk in sport about overload and recovery and so on, well, what causes stress in business is people not recovering. You know, and you suddenly realize that everything that we talk about is about but the human being and the human form and, and, and how we think and how we how, how we prepare and how we perform, it's the same. And you could say, well, it's not the same, Frank, because uh, uh, Olympic Games is an Olympic Games. True. And, and that, 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 if you like, that there is a slight difference in the fact that um, bus- business sometimes doesn't have a very clear goal. Mm. But the clever businesses give you goals. There'll be quarterly targets. There'll be... Um, annual targets and so on, but equally, because in, in in business now people are far more conscious of the importance of getting the best out of the individual. I learned when 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 it, when I came out of sport to begin with, uh, I, wrote, I wrote a book, Winning. So, so I was still in sport at that point. I, I wrote a book, book called Winning, and that was really me setting out all the things that I thought in in sport would be good. In the, for everybody in business and in life. But a few years later, having worked a lot more in business and seeing what they were trying to do with their people in terms of coaching and human capital development, I suddenly realized there's actually quite a few things in there that would be useful in sport. Right. So that I ended up writing a second book, uh, Winning Matters. Um, and... and I suppose I could write a third and a fourth book as the whole thing enriches itself. I mean, the you go back into sport and you see the changes that are taking place. You go back into business, see the change, and it comes back to this continuous learning because, if you like, the seeds of coaching were planted into the world of, of business. Um, it began to grow there. It was growing, I think, a little bit slower at that point than, than in coaching but what one actually feeds the other mm-hmm. as we go through now and that that can, can, can continues learning from my part as a coach um you grab that and you make it happen yeah interesting um frank we're we're going to leave it there i'm i'm, I'm conscious of the time and I'm, again i'm very appreciative of, of your time is there anything frank just that we haven't that we haven't touched on um 
that maybe you just feel would be would be a would be a good one to to wrap up with? Um, there are two quotes that are picked up picked up on that I think are have, have helped reshape a bit of how I think about things. Right. The the first one is from um, one of the Greek philosophers Heraclitus. Um, just in case you think I was alive at the same time, not sure, he's 2,000 years ago. Okay. Heraclitus came out with a line, um, a man can never cross the same river twice because the river is not the same, nor is the man. And that made me reflect a lot more deeply on the fact that who you, you, you know your people, you take time to know them, but you've got to keep on knowing them. You've got to remember that, that their lives can change, your life can change, the world can change. And when you're trying to give a message, it may not be received in the same way as you thought it was going was received the last time you spoke. And so I think that's an important picture we should mm -hmm. have in our mind of, of, of constant change out there. And the second one is, um, when, and I suppose you get time to look back on on. The, the idea of decisions in, in life and why you make them. It's a, a line from Robert Frost when he said, um, two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less travelled by and that made all the difference. And for sure that's true in my life. Mm -hmm. Very good. Frank, I want to, I want to thank you sincerely for your time. That was uh, I think people will find that very thought-provoking and, and insightful, uh, especially coming from somebody with the experience that, that you have. Um, for the people that were listening, folks, again, I want to just make a make a, a reminder that this is obviously a fundraiser for uh, a charity over here called Recovery Haven, provide free cancer support services for the people uh, in Kerry and beyond. And for those that have found a bit of value in the content, which I'm sure there's many, um, we would appreciate, obviously, a, a donation through the link that will be there in the uh, page in the podcast description or on my Twitter page at Mike Quirk. Um, and Frank, again, I just want to say a, a very sincere thank you for your, for your time. Okay, mate. You take care and best wishes with the charity. Okay. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Mm -hmm.